Friends, welcome back to another episode of the Into the Wee Hours podcast. This is episode 49, and I am your host, Sarah Pendergrass. In today's episode, I chat to Rihanna Knight, the founder of Amble Outdoors. She's dialing in from Melbourne on Wurundjeri Country. This one is full of a lot of laughter and also some fantastic knowledge sharing from Rihanna on what it takes to build an outdoor apparel brand with women and sustainability at its heart. Before I begin, I would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which I'm recording, the land of the Gubby Gubby people. I recognize their continued connection to the land and waters of this beautiful place, and I acknowledge they never ceded sovereignty. All right, so some housekeeping. First of all, a huge shout out and enormous gratitude to our newest Patreon patron, Alison W, or P, really. Alison, thank you so much for your support. I really can't convey the little leap in my heart um, when I see a new patron come on board and show their support. And a huge thank you to all of the Patreon patrons. Really, even so much as a gold coin donation every month makes a huge difference to helping cover the costs of podcasting for me and to keeping the lights on. I am also keen to explore how I can podcast on the road and hold more in-person interviews as opposed to being virtual. And I'm looking at some new kit associated with that. So thank you so much, everyone, for your support. It really, it really does mean the world to me. Thanks also to everyone who hopped into my DMs after the last episode with Patrick to share thoughts and support and to anyone who reposted and shared the podcast. Again, it means so much to me and to extending the voice of our guests who so generously give their time. Don't forget to follow, rate, review if you haven't already. I get super excited when I see this too. All right, so time to dive into this episode with Rihanna Knight. As I mentioned, Rihanna is the founder of Amble Outdoors. She's also a very adventurous woman in her own right. Before we started recording, we agreed we'd keep it to about 60 minutes, which I tried to do. And then we wrapped up and talked for like another hour afterwards. So really, I could have split this episode into Rihanna's life as an entrepreneur doing good things with Amble and also to Rihanna herself and her own adventures. She, for example, casually dropped in right at the end about a serious injury she sustained in Japan, leaving her needing to learn to use one of her legs after a snowboarding injury. And like, there was just so much more we could have explored. Something to note also is that in the past, we've often been interviewing friends of mine, people I know, people who I've spent time with, and going forward, this is really changing for the podcast. The next lot of conversations I'll be releasing will be with people who I have never, ever spoken to, probably beyond Instagram DMs. And I keep thinking about how weird it is holding a conversation with someone for the very first time, only to record it and then share it with the world. I mean, it's kind of a cool process, but also slightly strange. And I actually obviously can't vouch for the values and opinions of people I've never met. 
but I am absolutely doing my best to chat to people who I feel are aligned when it comes to adventure and their perspectives in the outdoors and hopefully beyond that too. Let me know what you thought. I can't wait for you to listen, enjoy the laughter, and I'll be back in just three weeks' time. Rihanna Knight, welcome to the Into the Biaris podcast. How are you going? Great. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much. That for doesn't being make here. sense. <laughs> that started again. It can't be a pleasure. You're meant to be saying it's a pleasure. <laughs> you can say it's a pleasure to be chatting to me. <laughs> oh no, I'm frazzled now. <laughs> So we've got over our technical issues. We've got over the awkward intro. It's all going to be smooth sailing from here. We're just going to, without any introduction to who you are, although some people will have an idea, no doubt. We're just going to jump into some quick fire questions to warm up, even though I am sweating in Queensland right now. (laughs) And you've been to hot yoga. (laughs) All right. First question, deep and meaningful. Pineapple on pizza. Hell's yes or hell's no? No. I like pineapple, but it doesn't belong on pizza. So. See, now that I've lost Kristen, well, she, like she would be cheering and celebrating right now, but that's okay. I'll margarita you. only, by the way. No other ingredients, just margarita. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> that is it's very controversial. Like, don't mess with the best. Wow, it's got to be a good pizza if you're just going to go for margarita. But then there's like good margarita and like delicious. And then there's like your bad margarita and you're like, also delicious in a different way though you know <laughs> not like it could have done with some toppings to like pep it up why you're clearly a minimalist i love this <laughs> all right favorite type of adventure i feel like i'm not a words person and then so when i need to sound smart like my first thought is like outdoors like oh that's not a good answer <laughs> what do you um, like to do outdoors Hiking, um, pretty, pretty easy, whether it's a solo hike or with a mate, um, just somewhere in like the big, vast outdoors where you can't see any buildings, any people, any structures, and you just find, feel like a tiny like speck in the whole universe. Like that's what I'm looking for. Perfect. Favorite place you've ever camped out? My God. Um, everywhere. <laughs> um, Wilson's Prom, Patagonia, like, um, Grampians is cool, a couple places in Queensland, New Zealand, like everywhere. That's an un- cool. unfair question. Well, I love how you just casually jumped from Wilson's Prom <laughs> being local to Patagonia. <laughs> like, let's, let's They're both good places. <laughs> Everyone should go. <laughs> I haven't been to either, so I definitely oh have those on my me. list. I oh, know. okay. Wilson's Prom is where it all started for me, so ah, okay, highly cool. recommend. Yeah, I absolutely would love to go. Whenever I'm around there, I have a dog with me, and I've never been able to actually oh. go into the National Park, so mm-hmm. I'll work it's that out next time. It is indeed. Um, next one. I did give you a heads up on this one also. If you could write anything on a billboard for people to see every single day, what would it be? All right. So as being slightly more a design person than a words person, I'm first going to describe the aesthetics of the billboard. (laughs) So it's like this kind of 
dark French navy with a speckled texture to it. And then it's got a white font in like a messy handwritten, really cool kind of way. And then it says something wonderful, like go get outdoors, but like in a beautiful way. So I'd just get a friend to write that for me because I can't write words. Um, but it would look beautiful, you know, it'd look like it's just straight from Pinterest. So are you imagining this as a digital billboard or is this a printed? No, material? printed. printed yeah. But it just looks very like handmade in a cute way is it like a matte finish or a gloss finish i don't know i'm not good at those details every time i do like thank you cards or something for the store it's like i can't remember if i got gloss or matte so i think just every six months we alternate because i can't remember what i did last time and then i'm like oh no i don't want that and then next six months goes by and i'm like oh i can't remember again <laughs> but the overarching message here is to get outdoors yeah, and like in a real like beautiful, inspiring kind of way. In a stylish kind of way. Mm, yeah. Well, like it doesn't have to be. The billboard's stylish. You don't have to be stylish. But specifically, I'd get my friend Ruby to write the words because she's like a word magician. Um, and then I'm just like the the word vomit kind of person, you know? It's like, here's the idea. Make it real nice because that's not my skill. <laughs> You have the vision by the signs of it. I feel like I, instead of asking you to talk about this, I should have asked you to submit a little sample. <laughs> of, <laughs> but to be fair, in an audio platform, you described it very well. So that's you let's stick with that. Forget right. my idea. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Final quick fire question. A genie shows up. The genie grants you three wishes. Mm-hmm. You can't bring anyone back from the dead. You can't make someone fall in love with you. And you can't ask for more wishes. What are your wishes? I was pre-thinking about this the other day and I can only remember two of my pre-thinkings. So first one, free travel. You get to go anywhere for free. So you can go to Patagonia quite quite economically now. <laughs> Wonderful. Your second wish. <laughs> <laughs> More funding to like Parks Vic, Parks New South Wales, all the government bodies that manage all the national parks and stuff never worked for them don't know much about them they all seem like absolutely delightful people whenever i meet someone out on a trail or in a visitor center or whatever and i feel like 80 percent of the time they just make a like a low-key joke about how they have no funding so i am not the most knowledgeable person about what they should do with the funding but i reckon they could just use like a bucket load more money to do like wonderful things for the environment and to get more people out there and to just do good things you know perfect oh i remember the other one fantastic um daylight savings hours or like the sunlight like 16 hours of sunlight maybe 20 all year round because then that way you can do fun things at like 6 a.m. And you can also do fun things at 8.30 p.m. And you just have so much time to do fun things. It is true. And it you know, that's work with like the planets and stuff. But I ignore mean, that. well, yeah, but we're going to have free travel. So mm, I mean, true. maybe you could move. I don't know. I, I love this. And having <laughs> lived in the north of Scotland, where in summer you have so much daylight and on a Friday night after work, I still had so much time to get into the hills because I was like, it's yeah. going to be light. Absolutely. Not the same in winter. But oh, gosh, no. Yeah, I it's like 4 p.m. It's starting to get dark and you're like, well, I'm definitely not going to go do anything now. And so then you only have like six months where you're like super motivated. Indeed. Perfect. I love your wishes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> May you grant them? <laughs> 
I mean, there's, there's no promises, all right? But okay, try your best. Yeah, I'll do my best. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first time I've been asked that. Oh, God. <laughs> I hope people aren't expecting that because I am under-delivering. <laughs> that lightweight water, it's not oh happened. I'm sorry. Ooh, that's a good one. I know. That's one of my favorites. That was from um, Rob Saunders. Nailed Amazing. it, imagine. I know. All right, you made it through the quick fire, and we're Yay. still connected, so that is great. <laughs> <laughs> All right, in season one of the podcast, now we would jump typically into the origin story. However, before we do that, it would be great to have a snapshot of where you are now. Do you want to share with me a typical day, if that exists, in mm-hmm. the life of Rihanna? Um, a bit more burger. It's Rihanna. Um, <laughs> however, um... I'll tell you about an ideal day. I wouldn't say I'm particularly successful at it. So then maybe I'll go with this is what I'm aiming for and then, you know, this is what actually happens. So ideally I'm waking up. I moved house recently. So this actually changes the whole ideal day because I'm just like, I want to go to yoga at 6.30 in the morning, but I don't want to have to get up in the hour of five something to get to yoga. So just ignore that. Ideally, go to yoga in the morning um, and then come into the office. I'd kind of like to be here about 8.15. Um, get stuck into like something that is big and important and needs doing and priority task rather than just like wasting time on all the other little things that pop up. Um, ideally, I'd love to take a lunch break. I'm the only one that's stopping that, but I'm really bad at it. Um, it close to never happens um and then i work a bit more do all the good things do a mix of like collaborative work and deep work and um i don't know spend a bit of time on excel (laughs) Um, and then also in illustrator to just balance it out um and then because it's daylight savings in our ideal day i don't know i finish at six o'clock and then i have like three hours of it being light still and then uh, Ooh, and then I'll go for a walk by the river nearby my house and then have dinner and hang out at home and that's it, I guess. Nice. Yeah, no, that's yeah. And where in the world are you living and working? Uh, I am on Wurundjeri country. So I work in Richmond and I live in Warrandyte in Melbourne. Beautiful. Thank you for that. Awesome. All right. And so... How did you get there? Tell us a little bit about your origin story. I'm sorry, I should have brought like a pencil and paper and you could have drawn it out and I could have narrated it. But instead, if you don't mind using words, Mm. tell us a little bit about you. Damn podcast with these words. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So how far back shall we go? Um, Grew up like going camping and doing those kind of outdoorsy things with my family. Would always go down to Wilson's Prom in Victoria. I think it's at the southernmost tip of the mainland um, every January for a week. I think pretty much since I was like five years old or so. And then that kept going until I was about 20 or so. So really fond memories of this beautiful national park that turns out that national park actually inspired like... um, the national parks like service kind of being created within Australia. I read this recently. And so then a bunch of people a whole long time ago were like, oh, wow, this place is real pretty. We should protect it. And then they started protecting a whole bunch of parks. I'm like, oh, it is a good place. Um, but went camping down at Wilson's Prom and always knew that I wanted to work 
within like fashion and apparel but I didn't quite know in what capacity like I remember starting uni and thinking I I want to work in dresses um because dresses are so boring aside from the hemlines you know like that would be the whole thing I'd have crazy hemlines so just like you know crooked and I don't even know what um terrible idea I hate it now um but by the time I did my uni course by the end of it I was like actually I'm a lot more interested in functionality within apparel um I don't actually care about dresses in any capacity anymore um but that's all right and so then finish uni and then I was emailing pretty much all the snowboarding companies that exist in Australia so I started with Burden I was like hey can you guys give me an internship they're like no I'm like please and they're like no and then I like asked them way more I'm like oh my friend actually lives kind of near your office in Sydney and I'll just fly up there and it'll be so good and they're like go away like they didn't but you know eventually I got the hint and I was like fine I'll find someone else so essentially repeated that process with any company that did snow kind of things that I could think of and landed myself an internship at a like local independent brand um that was just a phenomenal experience so by the time I graduated uni then is that what it's even called graduated yeah who knows sounds a bit funny anyway um easily distractible uh graduated uni had this incredible opportunity so if you look at kind of um classmates a really really good job would be if you are something like a target or a country road and your responsibilities were within trim so you're thinking like the little buttons and the care labels and it's only like trims within I don't know sportswear or men's suiting or just a a niche of a niche kind of thing versus I had the opportunity to essentially manage entire design and production I had the opportunity to travel overseas to visit manufacturers Um, I was there when the company was kind of figuring out how I would like to approach ethical and sustainable manufacturing and it was just a phenomenal opportunity where pros and cons of small business there's less structure and on your resume people might not have heard of this business before but it's like I've got to do as I please and so much learning and Mm. um yeah did that for a couple of years went to Japan went snowboarding kind of like I know broke my knee is the wrong phrase but did a bunch of stuff um and then came back and was like oh if I never went snowboarding again it wouldn't be that phased. Like, it's really fun, but I think there's heaps of really fun activities out there. And I was also pretty interested looking at the culture of, um, like, oh, we've missed a whole bunch, haven't we? Um, did a gap year before uni, and I went up to Mount Fuller, did a snow season, and then in the summer I did a season being a surf instructor. I'm no good at either activity, but... I was just there, you know, my friends were the good people. And then I was like, it's fine, just stand up. Um, But then, why was I saying this? Getting into snowboarding, Yes, thank you. I've got the memory of a goldfish. Um, And so then looking at these, like, incredible, like, communities and cultures that are focused around one particular activity or a location that offers various activities, I'm like, I don't think that, this exists or I don't feel catered to or included within the outdoors industry. So mixing up my timelines a bit when I was working in retail early twenties, I'd like 
go for a hike and then I'd go and work and sell pretty dresses and that kind of thing. And then a little bit later on, I'd like go for a hike during the day. Then I'd go to a nightclub at night. I'm like, this just feels like slightly different worlds. Um, And then eventually went on a trip to Patagonia and I just felt so silly by the clothes that I was wearing. It's like, this is the most beautiful place I have ever been to. And I had to go to a bunch of stores, buy a bunch of technical clothes that were like waterproof or windproof or good for multi-day hikes and that kind of thing. And I had to pay money essentially to feel bad. Like, yes, the weather appropriate, but surely there has to be something out there that makes me feel good because like, I don't take photos of myself ever. I don't post on social media, but my photo roll is full of trips and adventures And yeah, it just felt so silly to me that you had to pay money to essentially feel bad and you're doing these incredible things that you're going to show all your friends these photos of and you're like, this is phenomenal. You're like, but I feel like a bit daggy and dorky and like that the clothes weren't made for me. Um, Obviously, there's Patagonia, which is the best company in the world, but even them, within a couple of their product lines, I feel like they're not really catering to perhaps a younger female audience within their cuts, within the colorways, within a couple of styles. They're incredible, but even a company of that size still has a couple of niches that I think could improve significantly. And so then I had this apparel background. Um, I'd been to uni and studied. So I understood garment construction and sizing and grading. And if you make a sample in one size and then you have a bunch of other sizes, you need to figure out, does it get two centimeters bigger on the shoulder or just over the bust and the hips and those kind of things. So I had the technical understanding and then I'd had this phenomenal job opportunity where I could essentially like create something from a spec sheet, which is like a drawing with a bunch of details on it through to a sample, through to bog production. And I'd just been involved in that entire side. So it's like, I think I could bring a product to market. Turns out I had no idea about like marketing or finances or heaps of really important areas, but I did understand product. And so then I thought, I'll give it a go. I'll try make some outdoors clothes that make me feel good. And then I got here. <laughs> <laughs> and where where is here in that regard? still trying to do that you know um so I am probably about five and a half years in now I've created Amble which is a women's outdoors brand everything is sustainably made and we're quite focused on a lot really um, like balancing fit and function style sustainability making clothes that people feel good and making them feel included in a community. It's a forever work in progress because I think there is so much to do um, because growing up, like I've always been a size small and so personally I had no lived experience of things not fitting me, which I've since discovered is an enormous problem when you're looking at a multitude of sizes, especially within the outdoors industry. And um, Back in the day there was the term pink it and shrink it and so bigger brands would essentially be accused of having a male item making it pink making it a bit smaller and they're like cool that's our women's collection most brands have uh improved since then however it's still when you're looking at something like fit we have so many customers that are like oh i've got a bigger bust or like bigger hips or something that's 
common when you look at a lot of female shapes that and they're like oh it's not going to fit I was like no we designed for that obviously (laughs) so um that didn't answer the question at all but uh just trying to make a brand that makes people feel good and not screw things up along the way for people planet within manufacturing um calculating all our carbon and offsetting it using only recycled materials we've done a bunch of tree planting just trying to be like a good company I love it. I was going to start with talking about your adventures, but we're talking about Amble, so let's talk more about Amble. Even though, in a nutshell, I'm like, that was great. Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, but also, yes. Oh, go on. I remembered how I first got into hiking. So I was yeah. working at retail, um, and then I'd taken a weekend off to go to a particular music festival. And then by the time I got around to booking tickets, like my friends weren't available or they decided not to go or whatever. I'm like, well, I've got the weekend off and I normally work on weekends. So I'm going to go down to Wilson's Prom. And the campsite, like in the campground was, I don't know, it was probably $30. I'm like, but the hiking campsite, that's only like $7 or so. So I could just hike in, save $20 or so, and then it kind of started from there so I went for an overnight hike so underprepared I had this backpack that was probably 25 liters like more things on the outside than on the inside I had no sleeping mat I made like fried rice at home and took it cold and ate it for three days and it turns out like rice actually you know you can get bacteria and stuff in there um I was just like a disaster but so wonderful I was like oh this is a cool thing like I feel like a bit of a loser for doing this activity by myself but I also think it's cool and then just over the years I was like oh there's so many cool places like it probably took me about two or three years before I left Wilson's prom I went back at the end of that weekend um but then the only place I would go would be Wilson's prom because I'm like oh I've been here a bunch there's so many trails and tracks that I can explore and camp at and then after a while, it's like, oh, there's actually like quite a few national parks and state parks and a whole bunch of places everywhere. Um, that's, that's, yeah. that's a very cool way to start. I love that. <laughs> and I'm just picturing you just tucking into your rice every night, which, what do you In say, like, three, three nights? Three days. Uh, two nights, three days. But like from Ziploc bags, so there's no heating, there's no cooking. Um, oh, it, it's dire like if you were the other camper in this hiking campsite you would just look at me being like she doesn't know what she's doing (laughs) i don't know i think when you're in walk-in campsites there's a lot of random diet choices Mm -hmm. being made so admittedly Mm -hmm. you don't mean if you didn't have a stove and you weren't heating up your food but hey Mm -hmm. you survived i didn't know about those things well and i think like that's a such a good point as well that a lot of people don't know about those things, mm. but also don't know and don't have the courage just or or, or mm. I don't know if courage is the right word, but are too nervous to just give it a go anyway. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And I think there is also a, a real perception of like needing all the gear mm. before you do something. And that's actually mm. and I, I sort of feel mixed saying that because I know you could look at me and I'm fortunate over many years to have collected a lot of gear and I Mm. do have that and that's a real privilege but you don't actually need that to go Mm. hiking or to ride your bike with a rucksack on your back and go bikepacking right absolutely 
And so I think one of the things that I heard when you were talking about Amble was that it was like a, a podcast that you'd recorded previously when, first of all, your brand had a different name. Do you want to? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell a me headache that never leaves me. So originally I wanted to call the brand Mr. Mr. Like M-R and then M-I-S-T-E-R because I thought it just sounded cool. And then there was like or a restaurant or something that had that name so then eventually I came up with the name Mr. Timbuktu because then I ha- still had that cool Mr. and Timbuktu was like a faraway place it's an adventure you don't quite know where it is I didn't actually know that it's an actual city in Mali in Africa um but learned that later so I was like oh it just sounds like a cool place that yes the journey not the destination all that kind of jazz and then after a couple years I just kept getting questions being like so do you make male clothing Mm. I was like no it's just called mister and I was like all right so I changed it to team and then that was going well because I really liked with team there's like it's a team effort in terms of sustainability and also Right, just sharing knowledge with the outdoors and that kind of thing. But then I got an email from a company and they're like, hey, we're going to sue you. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> so then I had to change the name and went through a process, came up with Anvil, which I think has a lot more longevity in it. So overall, great process, annoying process. However, great outcome because I love what Amble represents in terms of we want to encourage everybody to get outdoors. We don't mind what activity you do. We don't mind what pace you go. We don't mind why you're out there. It's just like getting people out there to feel good, whether that's fast or slow or big things or little things. I just think there's so much magic that happens outdoors where you might realize that you're capable of doing outdoor rock climbing or that you can do a hike or an overnight hike or you can try a new activity. And then I think that translates back to your everyday life, whether you're doing whatever. You're like, oh, wow, I am capable and I am strong and independent or I overcame that challenge or I got lost and didn't bring enough water. But then like I learned for next time. And I just think there's so many wonderful things that happen in the outdoors. I think more people should go out there, but you can go at your own pace. Yeah, I absolutely I haven't heard you talk about that reason behind like the brand name, but I absolutely love it for that reason, too, that I feel like that's conveyed really strongly through all your channels as well. And I also think there's something interesting in the like adventure space where our language is quite um, like masculine a lot of the time, Mm. like we're conquering stuff or Mm. we're crushing things or we're like performance right how fast can you go like just here's a bunch of like jargon thrown at people and then of course they don't feel included because you're going to feel a bit silly if you don't know what the words mean and you have to google every second thing um so it makes sense yeah no so i love that inclusivity and just the fact that you could be walking your dog around the block or you could Mm. also be in technical apparel climbing a mountain but totally there is that element of inclusive inclusive mm. uh, easy for me to say inclusivity um, and also it is interesting that you had mister in the title because i have to say i was like it's quite masculine like it makes me mm. think maybe so i just thought go. it was cool like like i've always kind of thought men's clothing is just cooler than women's mm. i think depending on your sense of style and aesthetic it's like shirts are cool you know like frilly things they're not for me um used to love a lot more like feminine kind of design within apparel but then over the years as I guess I found my own personal sense of style and 
who I'd like to look like and present to the world. It's like, it's not that anymore. I, said, I think so many people do it wonderfully, but I'm like, that doesn't feel authentically like me. And so then even now, like walking into definitely outdoor shops, but also just general shops, like, and stuff is just cool because there's less going on. It's a lot more simple. There's not too many details for myself personally I'm like it's just like a nice silhouette or like nice construction or the focus is on the material or just focusing on the little things yeah I absolutely agree and it's it's funny how we've been I mean it's not funny it's the patriarchy but we've been so (laughs) conditioned to have you know like men's clothing and women's clothing and even Mm. like I know an experience of a girlfriend who was shopping for a puffer jacket like an Mm. outdoors puffer jacket for a season a snow season and they were in the men's department and like Mm. the men's jacket and the shop assistant is like oh no no we have that women's (laughs) version it's like but I like this I would say men's one there is a bit of difference when you're looking, I guess, like anatomically at adults compared to children um, within like the shoulder width and perhaps hips or chest or inseam lengths. So there are differences, but pending on so many different things, you should absolutely be able to shop anywhere in any section. Versus like kids wear, it's like there's genuinely no difference. <laughs> well, some are pink and some are blue. But, yes. Oh, yes. but they're in separate sections, of course. <laughs> they are, of course. <laughs> no, I love that. And then so in terms of if people aren't familiar with Amble, mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously we all should be, but if they're not, what does your product range look like? Mm-hmm. So we started with active wear and raincoats and then... That lasted quite a few years. I never loved activewear. Like, it was a great product, and we still have people emailing, being like, are you ever going to bring it back? Like, my leggings have now worn out. Okay, I was going to say, how do you define activewear? Like, leggings and crop tops and back shots and that kind of thing. Um, Stretchy type stuff. (laughs) (laughs) And But I felt I didn't feel personally super passionate about that particular product line because at the end of the day, it is a stretchy garment. The fit was great and the sustainability was great and so many different things were great, but I felt it kind of positioned us not so much in the outdoors market when our product line was really little. And so we had these technical jackets and then some stretchy leggings that were super comfy and real good and helped us survive through COVID because everyone wanted stretchy pants then. But yeah, we've since pivoted to a little more technical and that's definitely where we're going to stay. So primary product being a waterproof jacket, we kind of sit around the entry to mid-level so most of our community um, they might go hiking or they might do a multi-day here or there or they might want to try bike packing or trail running or something but a lot of people still don't identify as outdoorsy because of that hyper masculine stereotype is like oh no you gotta go climb the mountain otherwise you're not outdoorsy like a couple years ago I was on um, the Great Ocean walk along like the great ocean road and i bumped into some people and we're just chatting and one of the girls is like oh no i'm not outdoorsy i'm like you're you're not doing the whole trail which is totally fine you can do any amount but you're doing a two night three day section and you're not identifying as outdoorsy because of i don't know whatever stereotype or stigmas in your mind which is fine but it's like this is baffling um but essentially technical product that makes people feel good we've got raincoats we recently introduced hiking pants 
Um, and we have a fleece coming this year, which I'm very oh. excited about. We used to do a puffer jacket and a couple of other things, but yeah, it's just a process of iteration, figuring out where really the pain points in the market. We're a micro-sized brand, so essentially, where is our production? dollar best spent and so at the moment we stock sizes xs to 4xl which is an au 822 um there's so much demand to keep expanding that but just as a micro size brand it's very difficult we started off doing xs to xl and at the time it was five years ago so it's like oh yeah it's fine you know and then we did a photo shoot where we had i think a size 8 and a size 12 model and at the time, people were like, oh, my gosh, so inclusive, you know. You have a size 12 model, and she's slightly leaning with a hand on her hip so you can see a roll, like, God forbid. Um, and now I look at that, and I'm like, wow, my brain has expanded a lot yeah. since then. That's bad. Um, doing our best at the time for every year since then we've expanded our size range we're definitely learning and listening a lot to our community as well in terms of like i'm just one person in one body with one lived experience or a couple but um i, like, I do what also, do you want to need yeah yeah and not to interrupt you but i i do feel like that's a very noticeable thing about amble that you mm. do have that range of sizes that you do portray a whole load of different women like mm. which is reality but it's still not although you can look back at what you were doing before and be like oh my god my brains changed but a lot of brains are still catching up and a lot of brands are definitely not there and I think like as someone myself like I I'm increasing in size and I find myself most people do as you age like there's nothing wrong with that what do you you think about my age (laughs) I I would like to assume I may be incorrect but you are older today than you were yesterday I am and also a bit, lar- a bit larger as well <laughs> but as someone who like could pick up like a size 12 and that's an XL in a brand it's like mm-hmm. wow okay like this mm. you know and and I feel fortunate in the sense that I'm quite grounded in like that is just a label and all the different mm. labels have different numbers on them mm. but having worked in retail in a clothes store where they sold in American sizes and people mm. were excited because they were a smaller size it's mm. like this is a really sad reflection of yeah. the conditioning that we've had that we're Absolutely. so fixated on the number on the label as opposed mm. to like how we feel in the garment mm-hmm. and you know that you're creating beautiful mm. garments that can be worn outdoors for all range of people because mm. we are by nature all range of sizes but mm. I do think that that I mean I can't necessarily speak from lived experience but it is a barrier to entry to the outdoors if you can't fit into the the yeah like i have stories from customers where they're like oh i used to buy like men's jackets it's like how which is fine if you think the style is cool however if you cannot find your size or something that fits just because like not like just one brand doesn't make it but because no brand makes it and you're talking about the brands that have literally billions of dollars of revenue per year like um as a micro size brand uh, there's not you're not expanding your sizes because you don't want to include them however in my opinion as a global conglomerate that's a strategic decision you're like no we can't make enough money off these sizes so we also don't care enough from an inclusivity perspective um 
Like, that would just be awful. It's like, oh, cool, I want to go do X activity. It's like, there's nothing that fits you. Or you can buy the men's and the sleeves are going to be enormous. Or yeah, just like... The proportions oh, are all off. Yeah. yeah like, awful. Yeah. But then also, with that in mind, you know, you talked about how you like the appearance of men's stuff and you're not into frills and that sort of thing, personally. Mm. But you do have some very fun prints and patterns as mm. part of your ranges as well. Yes. Um, everything, I guess, is like... I'm terribly indecisive and so just naturally I try and get a lot of feedback from a lot of people because I'm like I don't know like they're both cool um and so then we definitely did a lot of this at the start and we still try to do it as much of it as we can now but it's just like getting people's opinions because ultimately I'm one person and I'm not going to buy every single jacket (laughs) I might take one but you know um and so like I genuinely want to know it's like I don't know do you like this red or do you hate red do you think it should be more earthy like how is the fit on your body your one particular shape or size and then someone else even with the same measurements is a totally different shape so then how does it fit on your body and just getting like crowdsource feedback about what do you want from us because we're here for the people and so if we don't make things that you love then you won't come back to us and then we'll cease to exist so um from a values perspective it makes sense to kind of care what people think but also from a financial and strategic perspective in my opinion it's like it makes so much sense yeah but you know (laughs) absolutely it's their own And I'm not going to hold it against you that you're not going to buy one of every jacket because as sustainability goes, it's probably not the best decision. <laughs> I'd never use them. That's like a lifetime of jacket in one color, in all of the sizes. Um, yeah. You do have some nice... Your eucalyptus green, I was like, well, that looks oh beautiful. Oh, see, one. that one for me is just, it reminds me a little bit too much of my primary school uniform. So 90... Five percent of people are like this is the most beautiful green I've ever seen. Like it's the right shade of emerald and it's just delightful. And me, I'm like, like I like it, but I just see a little bit of the primary school jumper in there. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess with that in mind, are you? I mean, you have a background in fashion design. Are mm-hmm. you designing the range? Yeah, so we do a couple of artist collaborations, um, which we're definitely starting to work with more print designers as well. So think i'm entering like print retirement which is a good thing because that's not where my skill set or passion is um but yeah from a like garment and fit and sizing and grading perspective that's all on me and then over the years i've definitely done quite a few patterns but starting to work more and more with artists which is wonderful because that's where their brain is permanently and it's you just get such coolest stuff and then you get to work with people and collaborate mm. um and then we've done a few collaborations with indigenous artists as well and everyone loves those and there's yeah. a little sneak peek in the background of one coming this winter um <laughs> but yeah it's just way more fun yeah i love that and then so i guess in terms of you know inclusivity and values and sustainability sustainability mm. has many pillars to it mm. but from the environmental side of things would you like to talk a little bit about that yeah um if you're ever gonna start a brand or even if you're not just read the patagonia book let my people go surfing it's wonderful that is covers everything you need to know (laughs) but essentially i think about sustainability um especially from an environmental perspective as holistically as i can so that includes the people that make our clothes the um 
fabrics that they work with right down to the raw fiber um you're thinking about supply chain how are you shipping your goods like what freight is being used how are you packaging your goods like what's the lifespan of the product how just every single thing that you can think of and 10 times more it's like what is the best case scenario and also then what is actually feasible and viable to a business of this size right now. So when we first started, we were using a 50% recycled raincoat material. Um, we then semi-quickly went up to 100% recycled. We've changed our DWR coating, which essentially is like the spray thingy that you put on the outside of a jacket to help the water beat up. Um, we've changed that to a C0 PFC free DWR, which is a lot of jargon apologies, but it's very good in comparison to the very very bad options um that are really bad for the environment in terms of the chemicals that stay in rivers and stuff just literally forever um and so yeah it's thinking about like the garment itself every single little thing that you're putting in recently perhaps a year ago we changed all of our tags like the little cardboard hangy things where it has the barcode and that on and then also like at the back of your neck where it says the brand name or the care label we've changed all of those to be recycled as well so then as we slowly grow then for me it's a continual process of iteration it's like cool what can we do now and there's always a wish list of wonderful things that we'd love to do um like b corp that's probably like another 12 to 18 months away just in terms of like resources that it's just not viable right now but there's it's everything um but i think the thing that most people get excited about and i think why we've had a bit of attention as a brand is from using recycled fabrics so everything oh actually we've got some organic cotton but um the vast majority of our product line is made from a recycled polyester which is made from post-consumer pet bottles so kind of think about your water bottles or soft drink bottles and so then we work with a really incredible uh recycling plant and also fabric mill in taiwan who does all the collection and recycling and makes it into a yarn and then a fabric and you wouldn't know by the time like all the processing has been done that it's a recycled fabric and so it's so much better for the environment because what i think a lot of people don't understand is so much within clothing manufacturing because it is complicated and you just haven't been exposed to it but kind of thinking like along the lines of like where does your food come from it's like where do your clothes come from what are they made of what conditions were they made in and those kind of things so a lot of people don't realize that um since you've got your (laughs) like um natural materials like your cotton and silk and hemp and linen and those kind of things and then you've got your synthetic fibers which you need from a technical perspective um so then essentially historically all of those are made from oil and so people don't think oh cool i'm wearing my jacket that's made from oil it's like that's actually what it is (laughs) um yeah Yeah, incredible. And do you think, I mean, you're obviously incredibly knowledgeable in this space, and I imagine always learning as well. Mm. Do you feel like you have a a conscious consumer, not someone who, like, there's a whole lot of greenwashing that's gone on with Mm. sustainability. There's also fast fashion as a huge Mm. movement that, Mm. you know, the the lure of a $5 
garment that you mm. wear once and whatever is huge in certain spaces, unfortunately. But do you feel like you have a conscious consumer? Do you feel like you're educating people? Like, how does that feel, that dynamic feel to you? I think everything is a range. And so we definitely have some people that will email to be like, hey, I know you've got all this information about your supply chain and fabrics and factories and all those things on your website, but can you tell me more about this? And I was like, I love getting those because I'm like, absolutely. Like, here's a bunch of stuff that is just too many words to fit on the website. And then we have other people who don't even know that we use recycled fabrics. They're just like, that's a fun pattern and that makes me feel good. So, And then you've got the entire spectrum in between. I think probably the majority of our customers are trying to do a little bit better, but it's with everything. Like, I feel like it, it feels very overwhelming when you look at the state of the world and you're like, I know bad things are happening, but I don't know, like I've got my reusable coffee cup. What else can I do? And it's like, there are actually a bunch of stuff that you can do, but then making like little steps of progress rather than the all or nothing, which I think um, makes a lot of people afraid or not take action. So then everyone's on a different journey in terms of how much they know and their willingness to learn and also their willingness for it to impact their life because it can take a lot more research if you're like, cool, I like this. It's from one of these very large brands, but um, the material isn't a preferred sustainable fiber or I don't like what they do within their supply chain or those kind of things. So it is an inconvenience. I personally definitely think it's an inconvenience worth taking, but how do we as a brand make it as little of an inconvenience as possible to shop a better product? And so I guess with that in mind, recognizing that there are a lot of people out there who want to make good choices, mm. but like you say, it can be overwhelming and there can be like a paralysis in that or kind of like a fatalism, like, oh, I'm not going to make a difference. Mm-hmm. If you had like a simple piece of advice, bearing in mind, we have lots of people listening who buy gear, whether it mm. be to go on a rainy dog walk or to go up a mountain. Mm. Is there any like simple piece of advice that you could distill down when they're making those choices around purchasing outdoor gear, for example? I would say this definitely isn't my quote, it's someone else's, but like the most sustainable thing is the thing that you already have in your wardrobe. So um, it makes sense to use what you have and then can you repair it? Can you um, sell it to someone else if you're like, oh, cool, I've bought the intro thing, love this activity, going to do some more of it. This actually isn't technical enough. Can you gift that to someone else? Can you sell it? And then can you buy something secondhand to get into the next thing? If that is an option, then have a look at, like, I guess, at kind of companies that you're supporting. What fabrics are things made from? Do they have a section on their website where there's a bunch of information about what they care about within sustainability? But the thing is, it is tricky if you don't know a bunch and then you're like, cool, I'm on the sustainability page. All looks good. These companies have a lot of money and so they can make some beautiful pictures and write some beautiful words and it can be super hard to be like, is this legit or is this greenwashing? Um, So I think be kind to yourself as well. Yeah, indeed. Like there, if there's good intention there, it's a start. Mm. And funnily enough, even listening to you, I did not realize that there were different types of DWR Oh, yes. some are incredibly but also some of the yeah. horrific ones are now illegal so it's like a good thing that um the consumers don't need to worry too much about that so it's being regulated to some extent yeah like there's a um process happening um probably a bit slower than what it needs to be but we're getting there 
That's and also secure. that's actually a thing why, so specifically I'm thinking of something called a C8 DWR, um, which is just like a, a long science-y word about the carbon bits within the chemical and it's I don't fully understand it but it's a very long word essentially that one is illegal now and so if people like oh I bought a raincoat like in the 80s or 90s and it lasted 30 years it's like yeah because it used really bad chemicals that actually are illegal now so whatever you're purchasing now isn't likely to last 30 years without a bit of love um you probably will need to reapply a DWR so a C6 DWR is also better in performance than the C0. However, from an environmental perspective, for both the people that make your clothes and also the environment, all brands are picking a C0 DWR. So it's not as effective, but then when you look at the, um, not the compromise, the win that you're making from an environmental perspective, it's like without a question, you pick C0. Yeah, okay, it's good to know. I'm and, still and super waterproof. And this is the charge in this <laughs> I love this. I just had a whole education on waterproofing stuff. <laughs> and of course, this is a challenge you face in this space. There's always going to be a trade-off. You know, you've talked mm-hmm. about as a micro brand, the good stuff you're doing. But of course, you mm. cannot cater for mm. absolutely everyone as well. 100%. All right. So I am conscious of your time. Um, but I would like to talk a little bit more like about your own personal relationship mm-hmm. with adventure and the outdoors. I loved your description of just wanting to be somewhere where you feel tiny and there are mm. no buildings. Mm. What, like, what is it really about that? And where are the places you've been in the world where you felt that? Like, it sounds like a simplicity. I might be projecting <laughs> that. <laughs> um, but that joy. As in, why do I like to get outdoors? Or... Yeah. I guess, why do you like to get outdoors and where have you felt that real sense of being at home in that outdoor environment? I think, yeah, I think to me it does feel like home. Like my, my no, home is I just nice. made an assumption there. <laughs> um, but at the same time, I kind of love the super idealist thing. of like, you don't need possessions. You can just like live in nature. Um, and I think it's just everything is so much more simple and I think just bare bones in the best way. Like you are so grateful to make your coffee in the morning because you're like, I had to like pull out the jet boil and then light it. And then I hope it wasn't too windy. And then it takes a couple of minutes and you can't just flick the switch on the electricity. It's like, you don't have electricity. And then I don't know. I feel like you just feel alive. And so, yeah, I feel like remembering growing up or more so early 20s when I went to Wilson's Prom I'm like I feel like I can breathe again like it's just this is a more authentic version of myself I don't care about the silly Instagram things or just you know whatever drama is happening in that particular age of life it's like it doesn't matter like this makes me feel good it's very good for my brain I know I'll be a much nicer person when I come back and it's just a good time you know (laughs) (laughs) and like nothing matters you know like okay retract that um safety is very important um don't light fires where you shouldn't bring like a space blanket bring a first aid kit know how to treat a snake bite like bring enough water do all of the good things but like if you forget a fork you've got a stick you know same as a hairbrush like sticks are great for everything like it's just a good time (laughs) 
I think it, yes, it's that coming back to the basics and mm. just realizing an appreciation for that simplicity. I think that sounds mm. very relatable. And you said like in your 20s, it was good to like get away and be off grid. Mm. But I'm pretty sure because you and I had an exchange where it took me about 10 years to arrange a print for you and you're probably celebrating beautiful. your 20th wedding anniversary no, by the time it arrived. <laughs> but you <laughs> you had said that you were like off-grid hiking mm. over, was it over Christmas or New Year? Yeah. What were you up to yeah, then? Do you want to tell us about that? Period. Um, went up to Mount Kosciuszko and did the main range loop with my husband, which I feel like it's just such a weird word, but anyway. <laughs> How long have you been married? Uh, about a year and a half now. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I just don't really oh, relate to the word husband. I much prefer partner. Um, something about the S and the B and the Z sound. Um, you said you're not about uh, words, but there you go. No, I've got X though. You know, I'm like, the, just that Z sound really gets me. Um, however, went with my husband, partner, man um, and we went hiking around um Kosciuszko and it was so beautiful I think especially like the previous hike that I'd done was the Grampians Peaks Trail in Victoria and so that's like a real meaty hike it's 160k or so and I'd advise against this however I was like I wonder how fast I can do it um I'm not fast but I am uh, stubborn or determined or tenacious or whatever word you want to pick but it's just like I wonder how quick I can do it I'm not really looking to enjoy it like I, I'm sure I will enjoy it but the goal is how fast can I do it and then for Kosciuszko it's like not how slow can we do it but essentially it's like a 20 22k loop or so and it's like a lot of people do that in one day a lot of other people do it in two days and it's like let's do it in three days so it's just a totally different vibe and it was so lovely and just so cool to see like another part of australia so i had yeah, a great time wow. i love the contrast of this <laughs> no that's so cool to hear that you have so when you did grampian peaks trail mm. you were like because what is it 100 it's like a 100 it's 160 however somehow i tracked 180 kilometers i didn't do any side trips so i'm highly confused but i'm sticking by that 180 because i earned those kilometers and how many days was that across? I think I did it in eight, but they recommend 13. Because yeah, the thing is, the kilometers, depending on your experience with hiking and activities outdoors, it doesn't sound that bad, but it's just the elevation. It's it's a real killer. And also there's a lot of like ungraded trail and um, the beautiful, but it's a it's a tough one <laughs> it looks I mean I was actually invited to join for just a section of it over Christmas mm. I couldn't go unfortunately but my friends who did go were posting it there's some technical stuff on that trail mm. for sure and I know yeah. friends that have just run it as well as um, yeah. part of the race but yeah it's no it's no joke when it comes to no. hiking and carrying a pack and yeah. also doing that over eight days mm -hmm. 13 days like it's a yeah. long time getting and up every day carrying all it. your things because I think whenever I'm back in the city. I'm like, oh, it's not that far. You know, like all you're thinking about is a flat paved path and you're not carrying anything. And it's yeah. like, once you carry it, like pop on like the ups and the downs, add like 15 kilos to your back. You're carrying all your water, all your food, all of your things. And then also you're probably a bit tired because you did all this walking the day before too. It's like, and you're sleeping on the ground. <laughs> that too. Um, 
yeah, it's a bit tougher than what you remember. But then always at the end, you're like, oh, wow, that was wonderful. I should definitely just go back and start again, even though in the middle you're like, get me out of here. I'm like, I'm ready to give up. <laughs> I think that's exactly the thing that gets everyone back out there is yeah. that amazing short-term memory. But mm-hmm. I'm curious about the contrast because obviously you and mm-hmm. I don't know each other. So it's like, on the one hand, we have this like endurance pushing. It sounds like you went for it on the Grampian Peaks Trail. And then like, I was just walking for 12 hours. Like I wasn't quick. I just did double the walk two days in one day because I'm not fast, but I'm like, oh, I can keep walking. But sorry. Um, <laughs> but hang on. So there are going to be people listening that are like, I was just walking for 12 hours. <laughs> Can we just have a little context here? That that's quite a long time to be walking with a pack well, on your back for. Absolutely. Um, there's nothing more to it. It's like, I, I wanted to do it quickly, but I'm just not quick. And so, um, yeah. And also because I think I was doing it solo. So then I had this personal challenge that I wanted to achieve. I wanted to experience like the trail and all the people and all the wonderful things along the way. But it's like, I've never attempted to do anything quick before. So I just wonder what am I capable of? Same of actually like backtrack a bit to Patagonia. Um, I climbed this volcano thing that was incredible. You couldn't really breathe on it because you're up a bit of elevation. I'm like, oh, this is actually a bit scary. Like I quite like breathing and not having like restricted airflow. Um, but it's like, I wonder what I'm capable of because I think especially at that particular time in my life, I hadn't really explored that even just mentally. It's like, I have no idea where my limits are from a personal capacity, from professional, from um, physical, from mental, from just all of the different elements. It's like, I guess I've been through school and uni and they're like, Hey, go do this assignment. And then you do it. But there's no kind of like personal exploration past that, or you don't know where your limits are. So it's like, I don't think I could go to the Olympics for anything, which I definitely couldn't, but it's like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, could I go to the moon? No, I'm also not smart enough for that, but it's like, where are my limits? And I think over the years, then that's kind of changed a little bit to, okay, so there's limits of, (laughs) you will not enjoy this and this is a bad time. You physically can go a bit more, but you might not want to. So then it's like, yeah, where's, where do you want to push yourself? And then obviously over the period of one's life in different areas, you may be pushing in some areas and not in others. And other times you might not have any capacity to push at all. But I think it's just interesting exploring that because everyone has such different interests and capabilities as well. It's like, what could I do if essentially I am the only um, barrier, which that is said with so much privilege, which I did not understand as a young 20 year old. It's like, I'm so lucky to grow up in Australia and have like supportive parents and access to education and just so many things. But I think it's a really interesting concept to think about. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you and also recognize the privilege in doing all of these things. Was Grampian Peach Trail, was that your longest solo adventure that you've done? solo yes i did mm. lara pinta so that was 220k in the nt which was beautiful um so that one wins the longest but then grampians peaks is the solo one and did you enjoy that solo experience like did that help you connect even more with that like idea of where are my limits like where where am i right now yeah i think i enjoyed it but personally i wouldn't repeat that time frame solo um 
I think I'd probably go back and repeat the whole thing, I don't know, in 10 to 12 days because there were definitely groups of people. I was like, you're awesome, but I'm leaving, so see ya. Um, Share like a freeze-dried meal with them. and was like, okay, bye. Um, So I I think it's interesting, yeah, just kind of getting all the data points. It's like, what do I enjoy? And that can change over time as well. It's like knowing that just because you start something, you don't have to finish it or because you previously like to do X, Y, Z activity. It's like, oh, that's past me. I like that for this reason and that no longer excites me or I feel like that area is fulfilled. So just kind of being open to change and growth and all those kind of things too. Well, it sounds like you strike a good balance because I, I do think it's very easy to get stuck into an identity of like, I mm. always push hard. And this is very mm. simplistic in the way I'm presenting this, but I think it happens as well. Or like, I'm always about endurance or mm. like, no, I just do short stuff or I couldn't possibly do an overnighter or I just do mm. solo stuff or I, or I couldn't possibly do solo stuff. Whereas mm. for you to do that long push on your own versus then just really taking your time and like it sounds like it would have been a beautiful time on a 22k loop over three days just mm. i don't know did you take books like what did you do is it like a real soak in the, the yeah, atmosphere books um the first time i went hiking with my partner um so i'm probably the slightly more outdoorsy person in the relationship we took wine and oh he's gonna hate me but he carried an esky for an overnight hike <laughs> and it was just like this is not great for your back like you've got a hiking backpack on but then you're also carrying an esky and like it's just gonna hurt like a few k's in you're gonna regret this so much um however uh just throwing him under the bus um well i think he's technically he's adding a level of difficulty there so that's quite impressive really this yeah and like it was like new year's eve and we had like drinks at the beach and we had ice too i'm pretty sure which is just ludicrous um luxury there you go so you benefited you're throwing him oh totally benefited from the carrying of the you know all good relationships work like that (laughs) but yeah yeah the contrast of of that experience taking it slowly with your partner versus that kind of bigger push solo yeah it's a totally different experience i think going solo versus with a partner or a friend that you know quite well or a friend that you don't or a group and i think there's so much like beauty and wonderful things that can happen in all of those different particular situations um yeah it's just like what do you want like i think I don't know some people can't identify what they feel like doing or watching or what would make them happy and I feel like perhaps over the years I'm like oh no I I know what I want to do so I just want to go and do it so maybe this one I do want to be stubborn and it's like no I want to see how fast I can do it someone can come if they want but like it's my walk and I'm going to be stopping where I want to and then other times they're like absolutely not no like that's not a team player enjoyable group kind of thing and so you're like cool what does the group want to do let's do this and then perhaps yeah the focus is on like a shared experience as opposed to a particular personal goal yeah absolutely and I think probably the possible success of that is setting expectations at the start Mm. as well right and having those conversations as opposed to like why is Rihanna running off with that (laughs) (laughs) no no I'm the one just like there's no running happening um it's like how come she's stopped with 200 meters in I'm like oh there's a really cool worm it's so big like 
it's triple the length of a regular worm. And then people are like, come on. I'm like, but it's so cool. <laughs> and then, so for the year ahead, do you have any, I mean, you've obviously just been on this great adventure, but mm-hmm. do you have any other hikes or outdoor adventures planned? <sighs> Everything and also nothing. There are so many things that I want to do, which just like the list. I think it's also a beautiful thing. The more you go on adventures, the more you just, have random little snippets of conversation and then you're like oh I heard about this thing now I want to do that and so then the list is only getting bigger and then you cross something off and then you hear about a few more things you're like oh no I like I won't have enough time in my life to do all of these wonderful things um but nothing specific for this year um I want to do a bit more hiking in New Zealand my sister's moved there and so that's a nice excuse to you know jump on a plane um (laughs) I want to see more of everything. Um, But I haven't picked anything in particular. So Easter might be a nice time to do a little bit because I also then personally struggle in between, like I guess I have the absolute luxury of having flexibility with my work given I am my own employer. Um, So I can be a lot more flexible in terms of time off. But then also I want to build something wonderful and I, depending on your goals, like that doesn't happen if you're never in the office. Um, I mean, it would so be it's a wonderful. Oh. That could be a genie no. wish. <laughs> oh no, but then I'd also feel bad. I'm like, I don't want to have like, people working and like, I'm not helping. Um, this so. is true. And I did notice you're hiring for a couple of positions as well. So you're expanding mm. this year by the looks of it, which is exciting. Yes, um, very exciting. I think also that's been... It's been so interesting kind of looking at personal growth and the journey and business from literally nothing in the corner of my bedroom to a crowdfunding campaign to getting to X size to Y size and then thinking about a challenge such as like management. It's like there is so much to learn and I'm absolutely fascinated by it. It's like this is so interesting and I'd still like to think for the most part I am the biggest barrier that there is so then if there's a challenge then either I need to figure a way around it or that's the ceiling um to some extent um but there's just so much to learn which is wonderful yeah and indeed. terrifying and, I mean, well <laughs> You clearly have that real creative entrepreneurial spirit. There's a reason you are where you are. You've used the word barrier twice, but I think I can see how many opportunities you create as well. Mm. And it is very inspiring to see both like from the sense of the vision you have for your brand, but the way you're leading it, the community. We haven't even talked about the community, like hikes and the stuff that you're Mm. doing with that as well. There are just so many ways that you're touching on women in the outdoors in such a positive way it's very very cool to see and i'm Thank very you. excited to see where amble sticking mm. with the name continues, <laughs> <laughs> continues to well, we have our trademarks in australia and the us now so fantastic it's amble that's it it's no stone. more scary legal emails <laughs> fair Look, there are so many things that we could have chatted about. I am very conscious of your time. It is the evening. Like if I was in Melbourne right now, it would be five minutes until my bedtime. So <laughs> <laughs> is, before we wrap up with a couple of final questions, is there anything that you would like to share that we haven't touched on, Rihanna? Just everyone should go outside a bit more. Um, <laughs> no, I think um, there's so much to talk about, but... Mm. 
I just think there's so much magic that happens in being open to new experiences, meeting new people, going new places, and just, just so much magic that's still out there. So, yeah, there go outside. It's real good. <laughs> so, with that in mind, can you tell us about something you're grateful for? Oh, my gosh. Um, I think, so when I went to Japan and just royally stuffed up my knee that was one of the best lessons I've ever had in life so I did um, my ACL my MCL I got rid of a lot of my like meniscus I had severe like joint effusion basically the physio was like you had a really bad car crash but just in one of your knees and there was no cars involved and you know it's just a bit of snowboarding and I didn't have to learn how to walk again but one of my legs worked and the other one did not. And so I think going through that process of I'm currently standing on the side of the road, I am at a pedestrian crossing and there is a car like 300 meters away. And like, I don't think this car is going to hit me, but I also don't feel super confident in terms of crossing the road. But like just that opened my eyes up to so much within the world in terms of I am so grateful for my body and for so many elements it's like and everyone has different um capabilities and abilities and different desire to do particular things but I think it's just there is so much that so many people wouldn't ever consider that you're just so lucky to have um but that, it's also easy to forget that. Everything's easier said than done. So you're like, oh, like I want all these things. And you're like, no, no, like back to basics, you know. Here's some like beautiful, wonderful things. Yeah, oh, absolutely. It's easy to take those things for granted when we mm. have them. And it's amazing when you lose them, how suddenly mm. it's like, oh, wait a minute. I wish yeah. I had been more aware of that. Yes, absolutely. It sounds like you did a very good job on your snowboard in Japan. Oh, my goodness. Pretty skilled, oh. you know. <laughs> I'm glad but to fly business were... class on the way back, you know. Always get health insurance. I was um, about to say, I'm not sure about this recommendation. Health oh, no, like, yes, with like, I got an ambulance to the airport, but then, you know, the lounge, the wheelchair, it still wasn't great. But, um, yeah, wouldn't recommend it. I like how you, you definitely see the bright side of things. Um, and also, I'm very pleased that you're out hiking and able to move and crossing that road. So thank yes. you for sharing that with us. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you. Like I say, there's so many things that I could dive into, but we'll keep it to uh, this timing. If people want to find you online, I know you said you're sort of private social and you don't like photos of yourself, which <laughs> is another discussion that we'll come back to another day. <laughs> But where is the best place to find you or Amble online? Um, Amble.outdoors on Instagram, ambleoutdoors.com.au for our website. Um, best way to get in touch with me is hello at ambleoutdoors.com.au. Um, my inbox is disgusting and that's something I need to improve on. And yeah, um, but the internet, you know, just have a little Google, we'll be there. Um yeah, we'd love to chat. Always love chatting to people, especially actually like I love on a hike. You're just chatting and it's like, cool, where should I go next? Or what information can I share with you? And I think that's just like the beauty of sharing that seems, I don't know, a lot more like easier, authentic or just natural outdoors and on trail compared to in real life. I think some people are a little more you know, like competitive or like I need to get there or do this thing. And it's like, no, that's like... 
don't like burn yourself out like just trying to reinvent the wheel it's like take someone else's knowledge and then go and do your hard stuff in whatever area of life but um yeah love to chat (laughs) thank you so much it's been so much fun talking to you i appreciate you so much thank you so much fun from the outback and the desert sky to the mountains and the rivers flying by it's the people there that catch our eye so come listen to our story